Hi and welcome to Forget the Numbers, the student accounting show. The occasionally educational podcast to prove you're not totally alone in your student journey, even when it feels like it. My name's Alan and I'm the head of education for Learn Signal. And this week it's just two of us on the show, so Connor's with me. Hi, I'm also on the educational team here at Learn Signal. So this week what we thought we'd do is do a bit of a, a general recap on webinar week and some of the exam advice. So as a lot of you know, um, in the last week or so, we've had all the webinars for all the subjects from performance management all the way up through the strategic professional. A lot of you will have seen and heard Connor on a daily basis. Yeah, you're, you're probably sick of my voice at this stage, but uh, hopefully a few of you got to attend some of our different webinars. So a couple of things we're going to look at today is that, we, first of all, we thought we'd pick the major pieces of advice that really applies to all students, and no matter what exam you're doing, um, that was picked up across all of the webinars from the tutors. Uh, we thought we'd give you a little bit of exam advice, like a little bit of a checklist for, for, for your exam. And then we thought we'd look at some question practice and, and what you should do on the day of the exam on a question-by-question basis. A lot of this you've heard before, um, but some of it's pretty good and tutors have given you good advice. So maybe you'd build yourself a little checklist um, every time you're attempting a question between now and the exam. Maybe keep a lot of these things in mind. Um, so I guess the, the first thing, um, webinar week is a nice reflection point And it's kind of, well, where should I be now? So where students are just finishing webinar week, we're starting, they're in the middle of the first week of boot camp. Um, where should they be in their studies right now, do you think? Yeah, well, I think um, the great thing about webinar week is we kind of get to to touch base with the students and see exactly where they find they are. Um, and I think the main thing, like a lot of students are saying now how to actually approach the exam. And that's kind of the stage you need to be at. It's not how you approach the syllabus and how you get through the theory. You, now you're really starting to think about how are you going to actually approach the exam on the day? How do you start building up your technique for questions? And what's great is I think a lot of students were there, but really where you need to be now with kind of three weeks to go until your exam is how do you improve the questions? And that's through practice, we'll talk about a lot of those ways. But really now you should you should be through the, the theory and you should know the syllabus and it's all about applying that into questions. Yeah, I think uh, that's right. I think if you're still looking to fill up a lot of your knowledge at this stage, um, you're going to struggle to even pass the exam on the day. Yeah. So moving on to practicing questions, and um, I think everybody sees practicing questions as, oh, I'll just get 50 questions, 100 questions, and I'll just plow through them. Um, to be honest, it's not, amount, the amount, it's not about the amount of questions that you do. It's about doing them as close of a way as the exam as possible. So, And we keep saying timing, and you're probably here sick of us, timing, timing. And even if you've signed up for the boot camp this week, you'll have seen that the times are highlighted in the boot camp as well of how much you should spend on each question. But that's really, really, really important. I can't stress that enough. Because if you don't get in the habit of spending that amount of time... Um, you're really going to struggle the day of the exam. You also need to look at comparing your answer and comparing your answer to the answer either that we've given you or in whatever uh, resources you're using. Um, and don't be afraid to repeat questions. I think one thing students do is say, oh, I have to keep doing new questions, new questions. But there's nothing yeah. wrong with seeing 
using all the questions you've already done to see if you've done a better attempt at them. What you actually see most of the time, and for anyone who's looked at a lot of past papers, is you know a lot of the questions are in themselves just variations of the the same question in different years. You know, the, most of the syllabuses are set up in such a way that there's there's a limited amount of topics, and then even that way, there's not a too huge a range that those questions are going to be asked. So there's absolutely no harm in going back and doing a question again because if you understand exactly what you're doing in that question, that just reaffirms to you that you understand that part of the syllabus. And I think, as we said, ex- as long as you're practicing a question, you're not looking at your notes, you're doing it under time pressure, that's preparing for the exam. It doesn't matter if you'd looked at that question a few weeks before, it's it's all still relevant, it's all going to improve your exam technique. So I mentioned earlier we do a couple of little checklists as we go. So a little checklist for practicing questions. Um, first thing you do is maybe do a little bit of revision, five, ten minutes, skimming over the subject, watching a quick video, maybe looking at your notes. Whatever way that you've prepared, just do a quick skim over, a quick revision of the topic, just so you're a little bit in that zone of doing um, doing an exam question. Um, next, attempt the question per the timings. And again, the timings are all available on the bootcamp page if that's what you're using. If not, most subjects, even SPL, the way it works out with planning, are roughly 1.8 marks per minute. So you can roughly um, have a shot at doing it that way. Um, then compare to the answer that you have. Now, I do um, warn you that if you're comparing it to an ACCA answer, they are unachievable on an exam day. They are covering every possible outcome that, uh, that a student can write an exam day. So when you look at our examiner solutions that we have on the Learn Signal site, they're written that a student can actually achieve them. So if you're constantly trying to hit those ACCA heights, um, that might be your time management problem because you're trying to write too much. So be very careful of that. And then... Write a list of the things you did badly. Was it your timing? Was it um, your lack of answers? Was it you're not following the question? And have that little list maybe pinned up on the wall beside you. And the next time you did a question, did the things that went wrong the last time, are you getting better? Are you improving? So be very honest with yourself and make sure that you're improving all the time in that. And I think also um, one of the things to look at when you've when you're looking at the solution is could you have laid out your answer better? Did you just write a paragraph of text and then you look at the solution and you actually could have had that in a few clear bullet points? So I think that's really important because when the examiner is going to be marking this and when they're looking at it, the easier that you make it is for them to give you marks, the better. So if there's four marks going and you've written four really clear bullet points instead of a paragraph, that's going to be much better. It's a lot easier to correct and then you've much more chance of getting marks. Yeah. So the next time, the next thing we always go on about and it's so important um, is mock exam. Connor is well used to explaining to all of you guys during webinar week about mock exam. So we might as well let him do his party piece again. Yeah, I think I've done this um, piece about 11 times in the last week, but I'll go once more. Um, As we've said to all students, mock exams are just an invaluable way to improve your technique before the exam. If you were to go straight in and sit an exam for the first time, it's going to be such a new experience for you, not just trying to do that amount of questions in a row, but even just planning your time. You you don't realize how you'll tire, how your 
how much extra you'll ride in places. So getting that exam practice in ahead of the exam is hugely important and it will really help with your study, showing you what you need to work on, showing you areas of questions and your exam technique you need to improve. And the great thing about our mock exams is we give um, tutor feedback within three days of you submitting it. You'll get tutor feedback saying where you went wrong, giving you recommendations of ways to improve your answers. So it's, you know, you're you're taking an unnecessary risk by going into exam without ever, ever practicing exams. I think you always, Alan, give the brain surgeon analogy that you wouldn't want someone uh, doing an actual brain surgery for the first time without having practiced it plenty before. So, uh, yeah, we like to take exams that seriously. So why shouldn't think, you? Yeah. Um, yeah. So really, it's, it's a great opportunity, particularly if you're doing it around now when you still have three weeks to um, improve your technique and work on it. So we'd really recommend as many mocks as you can do. It's only going to um, be positive and whether you get good or bad feedback or whether you find it goes good or, or bad. Um, yeah, anything is good feedback ahead of the exam. Yeah. And every exam is different and there's no such thing as a bad mock. It just tells you you're better off having a bad mock instead of a bad exam. You can't fail a mock. It can't stay in a record. It can't make you to repeat an exam. But you fail an exam and it's kind of there forever. You'll always remember it. Um, there are two resources that students seem to um, ignore or don't use. Um, one of them is the examiner reports. And every single time the exam is set, an examiner writes a, a report. And in that report, they tell you where students have lost marks and how they could have gained more marks if they'd just done it slightly differently. What the examiner is doing is, is giving you a template by which if you give it to me like this, I will give you more marks. And why students don't do that more often um, is, amazes me. Yeah, this is this is one that um, you really, you couldn't ask for a better kind of, before the exam to see, you know, where people are going wrong. I think if, if you were playing um, sport against someone and the other team before the match sent you a list of everything that they do badly and every struggling area they have, you know, you definitely consider that when you're going into the match. So it's the same as the exam. When the examiners are continuously saying that students struggle with this or struggle with this area or are doing something wrong, they're going to continue to test that until it's improved or they see an improvement. So reading that really does give you the greatest indication of the common pitfalls, the common mistakes within the exam. So you really got to use that resource as much as possible. Well, the continuous sports metaphor, they've effectively given you the playbook, their playbook, and if you just follow it, you'll beat them. And, and why students don't use that enough? Because examiners constantly say in the reports that there's no evidence that the students are actually listening to them and giving them what they're asking for. And the other thing we, we have on that as well is all our um, tutors for each course, they do a review of that exam report um, so there's a video up on, on all of our course pages where our tutors gone through that exam report and they're, again, just highlighting the areas that the examiner is um, is pointing out in these exam reports and kind of making it even clearer for you if you haven't had a chance to review the actual examiner report. Yeah. The other area is on the technical article. So ACCA technical articles are put up quite regularly for each subject. And again, on our site, you have the link, but you just have to search on the ACCA website and you'll find them pretty quickly. Each link um, or each set of articles is mostly written by the examining team. So that means that when there's a topic on the mind of an examiner 
and they're writing an article about it. They're not just writing an article because, oh, I think I might write an article about that today. They're writing an article because that's a topic that they have been considering for an exam. So you have to start thinking like that, especially in things like audit. One of the the, the most recent audit report, uh, an advanced audit, they said that students were very poor answering questions on current developments, even though there's an article on current developments and audit written by the examining team and then examined in the exam. So you need to start thinking, you need to start using these resources. Again, the examining team are giving you a playbook. They're giving you a report telling you where you, what you could do better. They're giving you articles telling you, well, we're not, we haven't written these for no reason. Please take note of these articles. They're important. If, even if you take note of them, there's marks there, and people mightn't see those marks. But if you're getting 46 to 49 in an exam and you're wondering why, what you could have done different, well, maybe that's one of the things that you could have considered doing differently. So... There are all the things that you can do, um, I guess, ahead of ahead of time. You should be doing now. You should be actively doing as you're practicing your questions. You should be actively doing as you're going through boot camp, and every single day you should have those key things in your mind. Now, now we'll have a look at the exam, and we're going to look, look talk about some common things the students do um, in an exam setting that really effectively reduces your chances greatly of, of passing your exam. Um, I think number one on the list is failing to complete the paper. And the major reason for failing to complete the paper, Connor, is timings. Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, we, Even though we probably mention this in every webinar and in all our courses, it's still something we constantly see is that people are running out of time. And you can do everything right for half the paper but if you're not doing it for the other half you're not going to pass you're effectively leaving marks behind on the paper um you know as we say if it's it's a lot harder to get 50 out of 50 than to get 55 out of 100 you know you're by leaving these marks out you nearly need to be getting 100 percent of the part of the paper you're doing which is just unrealistic so timing is just something you have to bring into every aspect of your approach to the exam not just your the exam day or a mock exam it's into every question you do it's into every little bit of preparation that you're doing and once you train that skill into you it'll become second nature for when you're doing it in the exam so that is if you're leaving if you're leaving questions out and you're leaving marks behind and then you're not getting the results that you're looking for that's the prime reason yeah and I think uh, I'm convinced that you're effectively getting um, 80% of the, the marks that you'll get in any question in the first 50% of the time. Um, and you'll hear some of the examining team talking about getting the easy marks. And the easy marks are those ones clearly on the table. So maybe you've been asked to identify four risks or four, four issues with governance and you have two immediately and you're struggling with the other two. Those two are the easy marks. Now, if you're delaying starting the next question to try and think of the other two. You're missing out on the easy marks. And if you haven't thought of them by now, you're probably never going to think of them. So you have to be sensible and you have to stick to those timings. Just stop in mid-sentence, leave a page and move on to the next question. If you happen to catch up at a bit of time in a later question, great, go back to it. But otherwise, if you don't at least attempt every question, the chance of you passing an ACCA exam are pretty slim, I have to say. Um, the next one is is, a, is an attention span thing. And this is where the people, we talk about practice, about writing the questions, but there's also practice in reading the question. And 
what students tend to do is they quickly scan a question and they see a topic and a topic jumps out at them and they immediately stop reading the question. They turn over the page and they say, I'm going to write everything. I saw the word ethics. <laughs> I'm going to write everything I know about ethics and tell you everything I know. And But the question mightn't be anywhere related to that or it could be just a... Uh, Ethics could be just a part of it or targeting a particular part of ethics in this example. Um, The examiner isn't looking to know everything about ethics. They may be targeting a certain part and giving you a case study to comment on. So please, please read the question. Yeah, I think the other thing we see on this is people see a question and instinctively in their brain they go, oh, I did a question really like this when I was studying. And then they just write the answer for the question they did before. So it's always you've got to you've got to link it back to the exam you're doing read the question carefully and it's all relevant to that case you can't just presume that because a similar looking question comes up the answer is going to be the exact same um so yeah so that's that's key you got to ask the question being answer the question being asked i think we see a lot of students who who want to give the question they would have liked to see come up but that's not what the examiner is looking for. So you really have to be careful with that one. And you you kind of have to control yourself from going off on a tangent, writing about what you want to write about and just make sure it's all relevant to what the examiner is looking for. Yeah, we're going, we'll, we'll, I'm going to start bucketing a few points together. And, and uh, the two that I'll put together now are lack of assumed knowledge and awareness of the current de- developments. Now, the current developments we've touched on earlier about reading those articles from the examiner. If you can just keep up with them, you'll, you'll keep up with the current developments. But the lack of assumed knowledge is going to be expectations in the exam. So, if, again, if you're doing advanced audit, um, that you'll still have some knowledge from your audit exam. Now, some of you might have got exemptions. Some of you might be a long time since you've done your audit exam. But if you're noticing things that don't appear to be necessarily on the syllabus of audit or advanced audit, um, and you're finding them on the audit exam, um, you need to go back and refresh your memory and f- refresh your knowledge about those areas. So again, if you're with us, you can have access to that audit paper anytime you want to or any assumed knowledge. But you really need, it it can't be just done um, on their own. So when you're doing strategic professional, there's a lot of assumed knowledge and you have to keep that in in mind. Um, Other two that, that are linked as well are not being commercial enough and practical experience. So I think, Connor, when you're talking about not being commercial, um, it's not basically regurgitating the book. Yeah, I think um, the main thing with all the questions is to, you know, you kind of nearly have to get into the character of who's in that situation. So you have to think what role you are, who you're talking to, what's what's what are their business facing and how is the that situation relevant? So you really have to think like you would if you were in that actual situation um, so yeah, a lot of it's tying it into the case, tying it into realistic commercial and kind of business acumen, and then linking that back to the question that's being asked. So that that's a big one. And when I mentioned practical experience, nobody's expecting the fact that you've been working in accounting for 25 years and you're doing your exams now. Um, I think the ACR are very aware of um, the profile of the students who are taking these exams, certainly in the main. Um, but when we talk about practical experience, like think simply, if you're not working in audit or working in tax, don't do audit and don't do tax, especially for strategic professional. So like, don't do things, oh, I have a slight interest in tax. I think I'll do the advanced tax module. Don't do that because the advanced tax module is designed for people who are in that area. 
Um, and Connor the same when Connor did his exam he worked an audit so the audit thing was maybe a little bit more straightforward yeah. and easier for you just about um, <laughs> but you wouldn't have done audit if for example I never went into audit I went straight into banking so I wished I could have avoided audit at the time because I had no practical experience no knowledge and I know I know effectively stories of what I see on a daily basis that I could draw on to answer the question So I think be very careful with your choices. So unless you're actively involved in either tax or audit, um, if you're involved in neither, you should really default to advanced performance management and advanced financial management. You mightn't like them as much, but they certainly don't um, lean on any um, day-to-day expertise you're expected to have. So the last one is not making a decision. Um, As a person who's hired lots of people in the past, and when you're working with people and somebody comes in and says, oh, I have a problem. And you say, OK, well, what do you think we could use to solve this problem? Well, I don't know. That's why I came into you. And then okay. <laughs> that, if nothing makes me bang my head against the wall more than that. And I think you it needs to be um, you need to make a decision. If you're asked for a recommendation, if you're asked for a conclusion, if you're asked for a suggestion to the company, give one. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is another thing we find. People are nearly worried they're going to make the wrong recommendations, so they don't give anything. You're far better one side of the fence than staying sitting on the fence. So I think as long as, you know, you can make a rational, reasonable decision based on what you've seen in the question or you've seen from your calculations and answers, if if that's logical, if that recommendation that you give is logical to the workings you've done and the question and the points that you've made about it, you're going to get the marks. It's all about um, making a decision based on what you can see. And, you know, you can explain that within your answer. But by not giving any recommendation, as you said, if, if someone came to your business asking for a recommendation and you gave them all the information, but you said, oh, I, I don't know, to be honest, you're not getting anywhere. So you've really got to give give something to them there. So in real life, you're not getting the job or you're not getting the promotion. And in ACCA terms, you're not getting the marks. So be a little bit braver and just always make... And even if it's not clear, especially in strategic professional, even if it's not clear, you're doing strategic professional exams. They're expecting a conclusion. They're expecting uh, a recommendation, an evaluation, a, a result. Give the examiner a result, even if it's just a couple of lines. Give yeah. them an opinion. Give them your professional view. And more often, the, the question's designed that it's not going to be really clear. It's not going to be black or white. They want you to consider different aspects. So you, you have to bring that consideration into your answer. So finally, we'll move um, on and we'll run through all these main points um, about your approach to a question. So the first part of the podcast got you to the exam hall. Um, the second part is kind of how to structure your exam and how to what you need to be to, to be really ready to start. Now we're looking at it quickly at your little checklist for individual questions. Um, and I think that the one that people underestimate more than anything else is choosing which question to answer first. And most people from all the exams that I have nearly ever marked, uh, most people start at question number one. Now, that question number one cannot be the strongest question for everybody. So I think students should always start at the strongest question. And if it's question number three, so be it. Start with question number three. If it's your strongest question, if it's an area you're more familiar with, you're more likely to finish it within the time. It will will relax you. It'll give you confidence. And it'll maybe it'll make the other questions not so huge and, and imposing looking. Um, 
So read the, what you should do with every question is read the requirements, read the question, read the case study or the scenario or the background, whatever's given to you, and then read the, read the requirements again and highlight in your scenario which parts of the requirements are related to which parts of the case and link everything. They're not asking you for something that's not there. So you have to look at that and examine, identify the examiner requirements. So is it, do they want you to examine something? Do they want you to write a report? Is it a memorandum? Is it to evaluate something? Whatever it is, give them what they want. Give them what they're asking for because, because they're always pretty clear in what they're asking for. I did, we talked about identifying underlying knowledge. So I think, kind of when we looked at this, uh, and we mentioned earlier about students writing down everything they know about the topic, it's that relevant part that they need to yeah. write down, not everything that they need to write down. Yeah, and everything you're writing, you should be thinking back, is that something that's going to give me one of the marks that are there for this question? And if it's not, then you should be considering why you're writing it. So everything you're saying, you should think, is this going to get me an extra mark from the examiner? Is this something that's going to improve my answer and get me more marks with the examiner? Because there's going to be no marks given for talking about irrelevant stuff, regardless of how correct it is. And to be honest, even if you write a lot of irrelevant stuff and there's relevant stuff in the middle, that you won't get all the marks because the examiner will look at that as kind of, you've just been lucky, you've written everything you know, and it just happens that some of the content relates to the topic. So writing everything down and getting marks for the relevant parts, you, that's not always the case because you've gotten, the, you've gotten those marks by chance and not by design and showing off your, your knowledge. Um, look at each question, allocate the time, um, be strict with yourself at the time. There's plenty of clocks around exam holes. When you're doing the CBEs, it's right there in front of you. Um, bring a watch, whatever it is, whatever manner it is that you, exa- you allocate the time. It's pretty easy on average. It's 1.8 minutes per mark. Get used to that. Get used to what 20 minutes is. 20 minutes is, or sorry, 20 marks is, is 38 minutes. Get used to those type of things in your head. Again, when you're highlighting stuff in a scenario or in a case study, don't highlight everything. There should be a lot less highlighting than words. And you see some students and they come out and they've got four different colour highlighters. Yeah, and then book, it is, but all the words are highlighted. <laughs> and not every word is relevant for your answer. So I think you, you don't need to do highlight everything. Um, again, the, the one thing I always say to students, for every action, there's a reaction. The examiner has given you an action, whether it's a fault or it's an issue, and he's looking for your reaction to it. So why is there a fault? What do you recommend? So what's the issue? And we've talked about that before as well. So if it's an issue, if they identify an issue with the governance structure, for example, so if they say, oh, here's a case, there are issues with the governance structure, you tell them what the issues are and you tell them how to fix each issue. Um, Planning. Connor, so when you're planning that question for those couple of minutes before yeah. you start writing, it's really important. This was one of the, um, and this came up in a lot of the webinars. So planning isn't just saying, okay, I'm going to spend 20 minutes on this question. Planning is where you visualize how your answer is going to look and you set that out really briefly so that when you're starting to write the first line of your answer, you know as well what it, the last line is going to look and you know what your conclusion is going to be. And By doing little plans like this for your answers, it means you won't find yourself getting caught writing really long paragraphs in an introduction or starting sentences that you don't even know where the end of that sentence is going to be. So it's about making a little plan, what you're going to say, even if it's as simple as what's the format of this, it's a memo. I'm going to write one line introduction, going to do my, explain my approach, do my calculation and write my recommendation. Even if you outline those five little points and you have the amount of time you have to write it, 
then you know the structure. Then you can visualize how that answer is going to look at the end of it. And that's the key. It's it's picturing what the answer is going to look like, knowing that you're going to get all the marks in, you're going to answer all the requirements within that, and then starting the answer. And it's actually after all of those things, it's all looking at the marks, allocating the marks, thinking about your answer, thinking of the approach, imagining what your answer is going to look like and planning. You have to do all this very, very quickly because then you have to write your answer. Key things about writing your answer handwriting don't underestimate the person has to be able to read what you're writing if they can't read it they can't give you marks so present it clearly and make it easier for the examiner to read make clear points if you're making four points leave a line like connor mentioned earlier don't write one big rambling paragraph there won't be shortage of paper if you run out of paper they will give you more so leave a nice line if you've got four points write your points for a couple of lines leave a leave a gap write leave a gap just keep on doing that what we say as well is you want the examiner to look at your answer and to think this looks like an answer that has got full marks and then yeah. to work down. Whereas if they see a, a big page of writing, then they have to read that and they're looking to give you marks. You want them to start at full marks and then maybe they take one or two off as opposed to start at no marks and then they might only give you three or four um, out of 10 when they're reading through it. So it's all about letting the examiner see, oh, this is a question, there's eight points, it's an eight-mark question. They presume you've got full marks and then they work back. They're trying there. to find fault in it, which they are only human. So the, if, if you've learned nothing else from all of this, what, what is the, the underlying one piece of advice you go away from this podcast thinking? You have to make it as easy as possible for that marker to give you as many marks as possible. That's your aim. That is your sole aim. You might think the most important thing is passing the exam. But passing the exam will be an outcome of doing all of these things. Passing the exam will just happen because the easier easier you make the marker, as Connor mentioned, if they open your first page and they see points neatly laid out, they can read it no problem. It's not all the way through. Every, they can see what part of the question you're doing. They can see your, your four points and your four solutions. If that's easy, human nature, will, they're automatically going to think, oh, this is going to be a good paper. And they're going to start at 100 instead of starting at zero and trying to find marks. And it's much easier, you have a much better chance of passing if you're starting from 100 and working backwards than if you're starting from zero and working upwards because it's harder. Because that means the examiner has to really struggle to find you marks. And if the examiner is really struggling to find you marks, you're you're just putting yourself at an unnecessary disadvantage. You you mark a lot of exam papers, don't you? I think you want to get them on, on your side as early as possible. You don't want them to be starting and they're getting annoyed and they're struggling to read it. They can't tell what questions what so it's all about getting the examiner on your side and they don't know you they don't know where you're from they can't know where you're from it's irrelevant they don't know what country you're from they don't know what background you have they have to make a judgment of how you present your work and your knowledge in that page and that you have to be thinking that every time you write a paragraph write a page lay out a question that this is representing you and you have to make sure it represents everything good and to show all the work that you've put in um, ahead of your exams. And a lot of people think the ACCA exams are tough and they are tough, but I think over time they do definitely um, represent the amount of work. And I do think you, if you do the right work and you do it in the right way, you do get your right rewards for the ACCA exams. So I think we'll leave it at that this week. Um, I hope this was useful. Make your little checklist. Keep all that in mind. Um, Make lots of mistakes in the next three weeks and learn from the mistakes and go in with that exam 
um, in three weeks' time, hopefully not making too many mistakes. Um, in the next couple of weeks, we'll build up to the exams. Um, if any of you want to send anything into us, if you have any suggestions of what we might talk about, um, just go on to our 24-hour tutor and say, I have an idea for a podcast title and send it in. So if there's anything you'd like us to talk about in the next couple of weeks, do let us know. Yeah, and I think if anyone did get to um, attend Webinar Week, if they had any thoughts on Webinar Week, things they'd like to see or some feedback on that, that'd be great as well. Okay. So we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.